Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of OneClick Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey, what's up, everybody? This was a podcast episode I did with Dan Sanchez on the show B2B Growth. Um, Quite honestly, this has been a show that I've wanted to be on for quite a while. Uh, A little bit of history for you. They were who kind of sparked my interest in getting started on LinkedIn over a year and a half ago. I was listening to their show and they said, hey, LinkedIn is a great place to be if you're a B2B marketer. Like if you're into B2B, if, you, if you're if you in the B2B world and you're not on LinkedIn, then what are you doing? And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should check this out. I was simply posting promotional content on there every once in a while um, and didn't really understand content marketing and building an audience. And uh, it's because of them that I've kind of gone full-fledged uh, into LinkedIn. So we, what we talked about on the show was a graphic that I posted on LinkedIn, ironically enough, um, where I said the difference between branding and brand. And uh, the graphic, the branding side, I put um, your logo, uh, your website, um, maybe some cool swag, uh, your colors, your font. That's what I would put in the branding category. And then in the brand side, I put your reputation, what people are saying about you, um, your internal culture, um, and a few other things that we'll dive into on the podcast. And Dan basically had his own way of coming at this. He's like, look, I don't know if I agree with this. Let's duke it out on a podcast episode, which I think was super cool. Um, And quite honestly, I think I understand where he's coming from and you'll hear it in the conversation. And if I were to kind of go back, I would add one other column to the graphic that kind of solidifies what we were talking about, and that is brand strategy. So you have brand strategy, branding, and brand. Um, so you hear, uh, you know, when we dive into it on the episode. But I hope you find this interesting as uh, you know we pull out the boxing gloves and go at it. Welcome back to B2B Growth. I'm Dan Sanchez with Sweetfish Media, and today I'm here with Sam Moss, who is the co-founder of One Click Agency. Sam, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, man. A longtime listener. I think I met James probably like a year and a half ago. We had him on our podcast and have been following you guys ever since. So I appreciate you guys reaching out to have me on. This is cool. That's awesome. It's always good to have listeners on the show. But you posted something on LinkedIn that got me thinking and I'm like, oh, I need to have Sam onto the show (laughs) (laughs) because I have a different point of view. And I love to have people on the show where we have just like different points of view on a topic to have a, I guess you could call it a debate. It's more like a friendly conversation. Almost always it ends up somewhere in the middle, but I like to have Mm -hmm. it on anyway, because it (laughs) challenges me as a marketer to talk to people who have a different perspective on topics. And today that topic is around brand and branding. You'd post it on LinkedIn, like Branding is these things. Brand are these things. And before we go into the graphics, Sam, I'd love to kick it off with kind of like, what is a brand? Like, just start real broad for the audience. What what do you consider a brand? And then we can jump into the difference between brand and branding. Yeah, I would, I guess if I were to sum it up into a sentence, I would say that brand is the emotional connection that you have with your buyers. So it's what they think of you and how they think of you and how they feel 
when they hear your name or come across a post on social media or, or whatever it may be? I'd say that sounds about right to me. It's always, it's a little bit more than reputation, right? Because reputation has mm -hmm. like a personal thing to it. It's kind of like, oh, he has a reputation of this, you know, and it could be good, could be bad. Mm -hmm. It's a few words. It's usually like, oh yeah, she's got a reputation of being, being super friendly, right? And a brand is a little bit more, again, I like how you add the word emotional to it. So, well, reputation plays a part yeah, for, for sure. sure. I would say that, that, I mean, whether good or bad, but yeah, there is way more to it. And I think that the reputation comes alongside a lot of other things, but reputation plays into the emotional connection you have, because if you have a bad reputation, then what happens when they think of you, it's going to be a not good emotional feeling like, ugh, like, why would I want to do business for them because of X? So that's how I would look at it. And on one side of the graphic, we have all the activities labeled or associated with brand, one of which is the reputation of your company. What are some of the other ones you have on the graphic? So I had the reputation. Uh, I have what people externally think of you. Like I just mentioned, like in conversation, what goes through their mind when they hear about you outside the context of business, how you treat your customers, the community that you've built among your buyers. A lot of companies are starting to do this and it's a community and a brand built around them. And the graphic was actually too small to fit another one, but I think a really, really important one that I would have, it's like, should have probably been on there, but the culture that you internally have as a team, I think that goes a long way when it comes to brand, because I think of some companies because of their culture and not because of even their product necessarily, I think, wow, that looks like such an attractive company because of how they treat their, their employees. So that's, that's on the brand side of the graphic. And I think that just is like a greater depth of the outside culture. You know, it's tr the outside culture is good when the inside culture is kind of like, I don't know, when it's radiating out from the center rather than it just being a facade your agency came up with, right? When it's coming from the inside. Now, everything you put in the brand is generally what I agree with on what a brand is. Branding, on the other hand, is, is in my opinion, how you get to a brand. But what you had on your list is di very different from what I had on my list. So tell us first what you had on your list, and then I'll I'll share what we had on my, what I would put on my list, and then we'll kind of compare notes. Yeah. So I would consider this is, and honestly, we might simply just be having a play on words. So I'm curious to hear that your side of this argument in a way. So I would consider branding to be the visual aspect of your company, right? So I had on my list uh, your logo, your website, the colors you use the fonts style that you have, uh, even done trendy swag, and then cool graphics that you post. Like those are all things that I feel are visual and therefore they don't necessarily fall into the brand category, but they're in the branding side. And I feel like they needed a name because a lot of people will say, yeah, we're working on branding. And then they go out and they try to build a community. And I'm like, well, I think branding is something else. So that's how I would define it. And I'm curious to hear what you think about that. So, and again, there's, there's definitions and terms floating around here and we might just organize them differently. But to me, the brand is the outcome, right? The branding is all the work you do to achieve the outcome, to achieve the reputation you want, how to get people to think about you in the way you would want them to think about you, all those things. And to me, branding is more, I'd say the visuals and everything you put is a small portion I'd almost put it like an iceberg. You're talking about the things that are the tip of the iceberg, the logo, the website, the colors, and the visuals specifically. Um, the videos is all the tip of the iceberg. And I think that's where a lot of people start. And 
that's, and sometimes if you start with those things, you end up with very shallow brands, right? Hyatt has all of those things, Hyatt hotels, but no one really thinks of Hyatt being a great brand. So when I think of branding, I think of things that are like your beliefs. What are your beliefs that make you weird, right? What are the beliefs and things that you know are true and the things that you believe about the world, the things that you believe about how to treat customers, the things that you believe should always be true about the product or never true about the product? What are the beliefs about your brand that are just different? And that's not a value proposition. Beliefs aren't a positioning statement, though I think your position of course, and your market and your mission should all play into those beliefs. Sometimes your core values are in your beliefs, right? You talked about it being internal. So I almost start like at the very center at all is beliefs. And then from those beliefs come a message about how you, it's almost like the, the wordsmithing of the beliefs. It could, that's where your slogans come from. That's where your, your phrases, your thought leadership, your names, like Chris Walker talks about the dark funnel. That would be messaging right? That comes from the beliefs that messages spread through places where you can't track and the best ones do, right? From there, I add like a shared enemy, anti-believer. Some people call it the villain. I almost feel like a good branding work is actually defining who you stand against. And it's not necessarily your competitor. It could be like a way of doing things. Like Sweetfish, we hate boring stuff, right? That could be a villain. We're actually, no, we're coming up with commodity content is kind of something we've been playing around as a villain. We are, that is our villain that we're attacking and standing up against. I also think rituals play a role into it. So that's the thing like, you know, Dave Ramsey is a brand that has a ritual. If you're familiar with Dave Ramsey and his radio show, he has people come in and do the debt-free scream. That is a ritual mm -hmm. that everybody mm -hmm. in his brand knows about. And some have partaken in. They have traveled to the place and a pilgrimage to Dave Ramsey's, you <laughs> yeah. know, studio and done the debt-free scream live. That is a ritual <laughs> in his brand. And then on top of the iceberg are the icons. Essentially, all the branding work I think about that you've said are like the tip of the iceberg. After you've done all those other things, then you have something to really, it's like the, all the visual work can have teeth to it because it has substance to it from all the beliefs and messaging and the villain, the rituals, maybe a leader. So when I think of branding, I think about all of those things, defining all those things before you get to the visuals. Now, how mm -hmm. does that hit you? Does that come across as like, yes, those are good things, but, or do you define it differently? Honestly, I'm almost like, I feel like there should be a third section to this. Like if the graphic, right, has this line down the middle, branding versus brand. And I feel like a lot of the things you described are a combination of narrative and positioning. Would you agree with that? No, I'd say they're they're different. I actually, I play around with this kind of stuff all the time. And I have a little bit of a tool that I've been using called the brand sandbox. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the strategic narrative is up a level. Like you can have a strong strategic narrative and the beliefs play into it. But let's let's look at mm -hmm. like Chris Walker, since he has a pretty well fleshed out brand and most of the audience is yeah. familiar with him. Like he has a lot of beliefs that don't that don't include his his uh, origin story, right? Mm -hmm. His strategic narrative was like, or at least his origin story is I was an engineer and then I started troubleshooting things down the line into product. And then I started talking to the customers and realized they didn't want it. And then I started going to the marketing and sales team and I'm like, wait, why are we talking to all these people who don't want the thing, right? Mm -hmm. Why is this process broken? And then he realized the lead gen, essentially lead gen and the way we do marketing attribution was all broken. And really we just needed to go out and 
I'm kind of butchering his message now, but we need to go out and develop <laughs> new demand gen by getting yeah. our thought leadership in front of them, by leading them and creating mm-hmm. demand before they even are looking for it so that you can win the deal way mm-hmm. before they actually need the thing, right? Yeah. His villain is certainly is like marketing attribution and MQLs, but I think his positioning as a demand, as a the leader in demand gen and his origin story are separate from the beliefs, but they inform the beliefs. Like in a position, to me, positioning is so critical to marketing that it's like, it's not, it's beyond marketing. It's really organizational strategy yeah. at that point, mm-hmm. right? You have your like company strategy and then not long after it, it's positioning. And I think positioning so critical that it's, it shouldn't be the marketing team that decides it. It has to be at the like C-suite level. So you're saying it's like beliefs, which go even before the two things that you just mentioned, right? Because that's what builds into the branding. So it starts with, you said like your beliefs as a company your core values and that's like the foundation that's what you say builds into brand because that's what you would consider branding am i getting it right yeah i think beliefs once you have your beliefs the things that you believe to be true that should impact your messaging your messaging will probably incorporate some kind of villain maybe rituals is another thing that doesn't that's not super related to messaging Um, but all those things add up to what i call your icons. And actually I get a lot of this from a book called Primal Branding, though I've modified it a bit. He calls it a creed and I'm like, eh, it just beliefs are fine. Like I've modified it a bit because I'm not hundred percent in line with his book, but a lot of the ideas around like having a shared enemy or he calls it the anti-believers having rituals comes from that book. Kind of opened my eyes to like, how do you build a good brand? Is It's got to be more than a logo because lots of companies have logos right. and don't have good brands. So what makes a good mm-hmm. brand? right? It's kind of the stuff underneath. And that's where I go into like the brand side of it, because I think a lot of people, and I think marketers are coming around to it, where they believe that the logo, you know, in the past has been this brand icon, and that's why you buy. But the more you dig into it, like you don't buy a Mercedes because it has the cool logo, you buy a Mercedes because of the luxury feel and you know, how you look to your friends, etc. Right. So I guess if I were to look at it, I guess your argument is branding leads to brand. And the more that we kind of talk about it, like if you have good branding, so your your message, your beliefs, the villain that you're going after, and even the visual aspects, eventually you're going to build into a solid brand. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And I think you can actually do it without the logo on the websites. Hence- I do too. Like I 100% believe. Like the hence brands have existed for a long time. Like the original one I'm thinking of, I'm reading his biography right now is uh, Josiah Wedgwood who is like the OG mm-hmm. marketer that no one's ever heard of usually. He he was a potter and so he got mad one day when someone's like, oh, is this one of your pots? And he picked up a competitor's pot. He's like, oh, this is a Wedgwood pot. And he's like, what? How could you not tell the difference without looking under the pot to find the name? He's like, ah, something's different. So he started differentiating all his products and really started developing a much broader brand name for his Wedgwood style. He also did a lot of other things that kind of kicked off the age of modern marketing. But one of them was branding because he wanted his stuff to be different and people would seek out his stuff. He's like, no, I want, I don't want a normal pot. I want a Wedgwood pot. But that was way before logos were a thing, way before websites were a thing and all the other visual identity pieces were a thing. So I have a question for you then. Let's say that we are saying we're going to work on branding as a marketer, right? We can't, as marketers, go back to ground zero to identify the villain if we already have it 
And if we already have the messaging that was put in place by the founder or the board or the CEO or whatever it is. So like, wouldn't that almost make a third category for marketers, which is the visual aspects that they want to go work on to help create an identifier for the brand that they're building and the reputation that they have? Hey, everybody, Logan with Sweetfish here. If you're a regular listener of B2B Growth, you know that I'm one of the co-hosts of this show, but you may not know that I also head up the sales team here at Sweetfish. So for those of you in sales or sales ops, I wanted to take a second to share something that's made us insanely more efficient lately. Our team has been using Lead IQ for the past few months, and what used to take us four hours gathering contact data now takes us only one. We're 75% more efficient, we're able to move faster with outbound prospecting and organizing our campaigns is so much easier than before. I'd highly suggest you guys check out Lead IQ as well. You can check them out at leadiq.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-Q.com. All right, let's get back to the show. I think if you wanted, like usually you're doing branding work well, like hardly ever do you launch a company with all the branding work already done. It has to be done mm-hmm. as you go, right? Because even the position of the company, especially a tech it changes, company, yeah. it's changing every six mm-hmm. months, every or, or as, as often as six months if you're fast growing and you're accelerating, right? Things change fast, which means your brand is changing fast, right? So hardly ever as a branding expert stepping into a company that's starting from ground zero, it's almost always got pieces yeah. in play. Some of the pieces are good, some of them are not. And that's where you need to assess what's good. They might already have some of the mm-hmm. things down. The messaging might be bland, but dang, they have this awesome ritual they go through. We're going to keep that. Mm-hmm. People remember that. Or um, like some of the things Sweetfish is known for is personal brands, right? If you're on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. you bumped into Sweetfish, you know we're all about personal brands because we believe like this reflects a belief about personal being better than personalized. That's a Sweetfish belief. But that's like it's like an it's like a reflection of the belief. So that would be something I'd put in there. So you can actually already assess it and be like, what beliefs are already in play? What messaging is already in play that's good? And what's missing? Maybe we don't have a villain. Maybe the messaging sucks, but the beliefs are good. When I hear the founder talk, and we just need to actually articulate them in better messaging, because internally they're using this language that's awesome and it's really stacked on good beliefs. We just haven't put it in marketing yet. You might be something farther down farther downstream too, like the positioning might be broken, even though they got a strong brand, no one can exactly remember what they do, (laughs) right? (laughs) Everybody likes the brand, but nobody knows exactly why to buy from them. So that could be, there could be problems downstream too. Like you don't have a good story for why. That's something we're wrestling with at Sweetfish, Mm -hmm. right? We don't know why do we do what we do in a way that is not, hey, we want to earn more money because that's never a good why, right? So- (laughs) There's no good, people we don't, don't have like a good origin one. story or, and we're yeah. still working even on the mission. Like, what are we trying to build a community around to achieve together? We have some ideas we're kicking around, but I'd say that stuff is mm-hmm. all, or sorry, not downstream, upstream. Continually upstream evolving the brand. though. Yeah. So I guess, honestly, one of the reasons that I was just like, I feel like we need just a visual representation of brand and branding is because I see so many posts from bigger name B2B marketers that are like, here's what brand is. Right. And of course they list reputation and I didn't like straight up copy what they said, but I had some ideas of my own. Right. And then they say, it's not your logo on your website. So I sat to myself, I'm like, well, what is your logo and website? And maybe it's really not branding. Maybe it needs a category of its own, or like it's a tip of an iceberg, like you mentioned of branding. But I think one of the reasons that I was like, we need 
to identify like what since if brand if this isn't brand then what is it that was almost my thought process behind creating like this graphic with a line down the middle and again i mean if it if it needs another name you know i'm not always attached to branding but it sounds like you're just expanding on well branding is more than the visual aspects it goes deeper into the like the company origin story and it works this way back all the way from the image all the way back to that's what you're saying yeah of course, you can have a, a pretty strong brand to be missing some critical elements, but the more mm-hmm. elements are missing, the harder it gets, which is why you have brands like Hyatt, where you could literally just, or brands like, I don't know, Hyatt Skechers to some degree, you know, like these brands are just kind of like, eh, no one really resonates with Skechers, you know, maybe they saw it in the store, maybe, I'm sure they're a big enough brand that they probably have some followers. Hyatt's my favorite to pick on though, because I think everyone, no, no one's like, I love Hyatt Hotels. That, that's my thing. You're like, uh, most hotels yeah. are like that, but Hyatt in particular is, it's a huge, huge brand. No one really cares <laughs> about them. Mm-hmm. So they've done everything right. They've hired very expensive agencies to come up with uh, visual identities, but they right. don't have any interest. And it in only beliefs. goes so far. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is the visual side really only goes so far. And like you mentioned, and I actually do agree with this, is you could have the brand side and do well as a company and have mediocre to subpar I'm um, what I would label branding, right? Uh, logo, website, colors, swag, cool graphics, because people will remember you for the brand side more so than the visual aspects of your marketing, which as you continue to grow, of course, you need to up that because if you think about McDonald's, Coke, Apple, like, of course, the visual representation is there and you do start to rem- remember it. But when I think of Sweetfish, I don't think of the logo or even your website. Like if I think about it, of course, I can remember it. But immediately the thing I think about is, wow, from the start, James has created an incredible culture with the employees like you, uh, Logan, and anyone else that's at Sweetfish, right? And that's something I immediately remember about you guys. And that's where I'm just like, I totally agree where brand carries the weight way more than what I would label branding, which is the visual aspects. I think the thing we get stuck on is like, what is the work that you have to do in order to get the outcome of having a strong brand? So Sweetfish Mm -hmm. has a a fairly strong brand, but what's the work that went into doing it? It's almost like James did it on accident. Like he, of course he did a lot of stuff, but like there's some things that he does just as a person, habits that he has. That could be a part of it though, is simply they, James attracts the right people because of who he is. And that can be a brand in itself. For example, yep. Chris Walker is a cool guy. Yep. I'm sure there are people that consume his content and say, I like Chris. I want to work with Chris. And that could impact, like trickle down to the brand yep. and eventually like explode into something bigger. If you're creating like the same culture that you're portraying through your um, you know, personal profile or just life in general, right? Yep. And that's why in the book Primal Branding, he would say every strong, really strong brand has a leader, right? You think of Virgin. Mm-hmm. You can't not think of their leader. <laughs> you can't yeah, not yeah. think of uh, Richard Branson, right? You think of Disney, I actually heard a cool story like, about it's him in the, the name, other day. Walt <laughs> I'll Disney, tell you. Right? It's it's there's just <laughs> yeah. There's usually a leader associated with a strong brand. Not mm-hmm. always though, because like you think of Southwest as a fairly strong brand. There's no leader behind it, at least that I can think of. Right. I've spent time thinking about them, so I'm like, I don't know what their leader is. But there are other aspects yeah. that impact the brand, like what you said about James. Is he almost did it on accident? If that's the case, that's awesome. But it's probably because of his integrity, his personality, him as a person, right? And then you get to Southwest 
There's obviously some other things in the brand category. Maybe it's the reputation, the experience, um, how they treat their customers. That's like the the thing that drives the brand forward more so than like the origin, not the origin story, but like the founder and the personality he has, uh, like you guys, like at Sweetfish, right? I think it's easier if you have a founder that has a lot, has a strong personal brand or a strong mm-hmm. beliefs and viewpoints that has, like when he has a strong point of view that especially in a startup where you're, it's all flowing from that founder, then that creates a strong brand really easily unless it grows so fast that it outgrows the founder, which has happened, right? You know, Tony Heish with uh, Zappos talked about it in his biography where he his company grew so fast that they hired so quickly he couldn't instill his personal values into the company, unlike Zappos where he took his time. But I still think you can do it without. You just have to be more intentional and think about like what are the beliefs that we have as a leadership team or as an org, or what what do we want to believe in? Like, what can we believe that makes us weird? I actually think the word weird is is key. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I, I don't know if anything comes to mind for what we do. I think, I don't know. That weird is a good question where I'll actually have to think about it because that is a fun way to do it. And really like, what does make us different and somewhat weird to others? That's That is interesting. I like that. And I, I think that's where we're thinking about like your anti-believers. And I don't think your anti-believers are necessarily the people that buy into your competitor, but it could be if your competitor stands for a totally different way of doing things. And then I wouldn't make the enemy your your competitor. I make it that way of a, that approach is the enemy, right? Mm-hmm. For Chris Walker, it's lead gen in general. <laughs> people who are big into lead gen and HubSpot and tracking th- to the nth degree with analytics and data and driving lots yeah. of MQLs. Those are the anti-believers, of which I find myself somewhere in the middle for his camp. <laughs> I'm not like, it's like, it's not gospel to me. I'm like, uh, I could still win yeah. with SEO. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like on the middle, but there's definitely, man, there's a whole crew that are like champion that message now and that those beliefs, um, it's like part of them. So I think thinking about what beliefs you have that make you weird, as in there's going to be some people that think you're really weird for it, but you and the other mm-hmm. people that disagree. resonate with you are like, yes, no, this is the truth. This is the thing. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think that's something that we're going through right now is, I, I mean, I guess I would be positioning or narrative or whatever, just coming up with like, what is it that you're against? And what is it that you're known for? Because I think that's something that we've lacked. And it's like definitely our focus that we're, you know, playing around with right now, some ideas and bouncing around. But I'm I'm gonna have to steal the what makes us weird. That's gonna be something that we certainly think about. Yeah. And I honestly you could probably look to your positioning for cues on that, right? I don't know. It probably doesn't tell you everything. Like we're a B2B podcast agency. That's Sweetfish's positioning. But we all know that B2B's usually kind of boring. I know it's 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 in fashion right now to make B2B fun, but hardly anybody's doing it. <laughs> everybody's talking about they it when I come on interviews with them, but I'm like, you guys, you guys are all talking about it, but we haven't actually like done it yet. <laughs> Very few yeah. have. Very few companies are pushing the envelope on fun and B2B. Um, Sweetfish, so that's mm-hmm. what we're trying to do is trying to bring that back. Hence our, our, our villain that we've been forming is commodity content. I like it. I like it. So now I have to go and work some messaging around it. And uh, I think James has been working on some stuff like bye-bye boring content or something as a hashtag he's been using. <laughs> <laughs> bye-bye boring content. I think I like that's that. the hashtag. I think one of the, the things. That would, that would, be, that would I, be an extension of the belief that commodity yeah. content's bad 
and then move to language or messaging, right? Which is going to be mm-hmm. bye-bye commodity, bye-bye boring content. Yeah. I think one of the best ways I've seen this going on is I see some B2B brands toying around with the world of like TikTok or even Instagram reels. And I think that's just a fun way to connect with your buyers. And again, this goes back to like your brand. Like how does how does your brand make you your your buyers feel when they see you, right? And I've even seen, this is funny because I wouldn't think of them as like a, a funny brand, but Refine Labs has a, a TikTok now that they've gotten like some videos on. And it ta- I, I'm like pretty picky when it comes to content that makes me laugh. Like if it's stupid, I'm not gonna laugh. But they actually had a couple of videos that I was like chuckling at. So uh, I see they're kind of doing the same thing. I think Gong, I didn't see their their page. I just started following them the other day, but they have some videos there. I think uh, Chili Piper might be another one, but it's whatever we've seen in B2C for the past X amount of years, give it two or three years and the same thing's gonna start happening in, in B2B. So it's you can almost get ahead of the curve, see what, exactly what they're doing and how to re- they're interacting with their audience and their buyers. And then just replicate that in the B2B world and don't be afraid to do it. It's interesting. That's a whole nother conversation on what I'm seeing B2C it is a whole doing right now. Dude. And I'm like, okay, so TikTok <laughs> yep. is becoming a thing, but what's after TikTok? And I've already have in my head what's next after TikTok that I'm like starting to invest mm-hmm. in now. So we'll figure that out. <laughs> but I won't, awesome, I won't open another that can conversation. of worms in this, in this episode. Yep. <laughs> ma'am, branding, branding, such a broad and fascinating topic to, to pick is. at. What are some of the your favorite brands Gong, Refine Labs, uh, Sweetfish definitely hits the list. I guess I'm going down the B2B ones. Sure. Uh, Drift, kind of like the early days, to be honest. I like their narrative better before than what it is now. I think that'd be my top four. As for like B2C, because we can, again, you know, sure. we can take some examples from this. I would say uh, the NFL and the MLB are pretty incredible brands. Apple, of course, Coke, <laughs> Wendy's is one of my favorite. Just go read their Twitter. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Burger King. So those are some examples of some brands that I like. Interesting. I think all everybody listening to this show is kind of like nodding their head like, yep, yep. Those are all yeah. the brands. <laughs> I'm, I'm proud the Sweetfish made into the list. That makes me happy. I yeah, think it's we have the a culture. lot of work to I, honestly, do compared to some others, but yeah. Yeah, it's definitely the culture. Whenever I think about you guys, I just think about what a fun place to work, right? Everyone's excited to be there excited to to do their job. And it's like a family. And that's how I consider it. And it makes me like have an affinity toward what you guys do because of that. So obviously you're doing something right. Yeah, that's good. I'll certainly be passing that off to James and uh, our director of culture because that's what he cares a lot about. Um, But of course, that all emanates out through the, the brand and all the marketing work too. Oh, cool, man. Sam, this has been an awesome conversation. And I think this is going to be a continuing dialogue and it'll be fun. (laughs) <laughs> kicked off with this this podcast episode. Is there any yeah. final thoughts you have for the guest or anything you'd like to share about what you're doing, what you're working on before we sign off with this episode? You know, if you want to continue the debate, um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Sam Moss, just search it. I'm pretty sure I'll come up. So send me a connection request. We will go at it in the comment section if you if you want to chat. I'm always responding to stuff. So that's probably the best way to find me. And then we have a podcast. Where, uh, it's called B2B Made Simple, where we talk about similar things that we just talked about today. So if you're, you're interested in that, be sure to check it out as well. But uh, Dan, I appreciate you having me, man. This has been great. 